I invite you to turn in your scripture to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 3, as we continue our uh, journey uh, in this uh, short book of the scriptures, Ruth chapter 3. We have seen uh, that this is a, a story of, of love, a story of, of redemption, and uh, this morning we pick up the reading at Ruth chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking." But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, The man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it's true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she laid his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. And then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? And then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can uh, sing of how good it is to be a part of the the family of God, to be united together uh, in faith and and unity and in love, love for you and love for one another and love for uh, your word. And so we pray this morning that you would, by your Spirit, open that word to us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in your uh, travels across the internet, uh, if you happened upon uh, marriage.com, you would find 20 tips on how to find a husband. And uh, here's the 20 tips know the qualities you want in a husband. Look out for someone with similar values. Go out and explore. Be friendly. Be diverse. Be yourself. 
Attractiveness matters. Join dating sites. The content matters. A good personality is better than a great physical appearance. Work on yourself. Don't be too picky too fast. Go on blind dates. Take the initiative. Don't be too desperate. Don't settle for less. Figure out his intentions. Be realistic in your preference. Look within amongst your friends. Seek help from friends and family. And visit the right places. Uh, probably places like barley fields and, uh, and perhaps a threshing floor or two. Uh, had Naomi or Ruth access to this list? Well, probably not. But clearly, uh, this chapter begins with a carefully thought-out plan. And so my first point this morning is a maneuvering mother-in-law. A maneuvering mother-in-law. At the end of chapter 1, uh, it was the beginning of barley harvest, you might remember, and that was a sign of hope at the end of that chapter. And at the end of chapter 2, uh, we note that the barley and wheat harvests have come to an end. And so that's about two or three months. So we're about two or three months into uh, this story when uh, Ruth and Naomi first returned to Bethlehem. And uh, Ruth has been out in the, in the fields. Uh, not Naomi. Uh, presumably, Naomi is, is too old, perhaps, to go to the field, or perhaps not, not physically able, one way or another. But Ruth has certainly been out there. But time is, time is passing. It's been two or three months now. Boaz is a near relative. He's a redeemer. We learned that last time. He's treated Ruth graciously. Uh, but we also noted that at the end of chapter 2, Ruth is still living at home with, with Naomi. And so Naomi... Uh, Ruth's mother-in-law has a plan. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself. Put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But don't make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you, what to do. Now, we can't help but thinking here that Naomi is somehow perhaps uh, impatient uh, with the timing of God. Two or three months has passed. Um, Is she perhaps impatient waiting for this redeemer, Boaz, to do something? But there are really many reasons why we might doubt the wisdom of this plan. First of all, remember that Ruth is the Moabitess. And so a Moabite woman walking around in the dark Uh, in Bethlehem is not a good idea. Uh, In Numbers 25, we read this, the daughters of Moab invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. Uh, Earlier in the scripture, we're told that the daughters of Moab led uh, God's people to idolatry. The very origin of the Moabites was rooted, we find out, in an act of drunken incest between Lot and uh, and his daughter, and uh, the offspring of that union was named, he was named Moab. That's their history. There's no reason to think uh, that a Moabite woman out on the town late at night uh, was up to any good in Bethlehem. This is not a good plan. And who would desire a Moabite woman for a wife in that time and place? That man would probably be seen as, a, as an outcast, perhaps shunned by others. So there's, there's great risk here involved. And on top of that, it's also dangerous. You might remember that in chapter 2, 2 verse 9, uh, Boaz has to instruct his uh, men not to touch Ruth. 
uh, in chapter 2, verse 22, uh, Naomi's concerned that uh, uh, Ruth be assaulted in a field, and this is all in broad daylight. And so just what is Naomi thinking? Is this, on her part, a less than godly attempt to get Ruth and Boaz together? Now, some believe that, in fact, was the case. Some believe Naomi here is reverting here to her Moabite past, you know, cooking up this scheme uh, to get Ruth and Boaz together. Here have, uh, have Ruth perhaps seduce Moab. Is that what's going on? Well, if so, it would be very bad counsel. It wouldn't be the first time uh, that Naomi gave bad counsel, of course. Or you might remember the whole book starts with a bad idea where Elimelech and uh, Naomi leave uh, the promised land for Moab in the first place. That was a bad idea. It was a bad idea that Naomi said to Orpah and Ruth, well, you go back home. Don't follow me. Go back to your own gods. That's a bad idea. Um, As she comes to Bethlehem, uh, she seems to have no hope. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Uh, There's really no hope for me going this way. That, 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 wasn't, that wasn't true. So it's, it's certainly not impossible that Naomi could be giving bad counsel here. She's a believer. Uh, we see that today. I mean, believers can give bad counsel today too. Uh, uh, young people might grow up in a Christian church and um, and they might say something like, um, oh, well, you know, we're, we're planning to get married. Uh, what's wrong with uh, sleeping together or something like that? That's uh, bad counsel. Um, uh, a, a single daughter uh, in the Christian church might get pregnant. And a uh, professing Christian mom and professing Christian dad might say, well, maybe you should think about an abortion, you know, to save face. Here. So that's, that's certainly possible. <laughs> Bad counsel is not out of the realm of possibility. And uh, some have suggested that even though Naomi has been brought out of Moab, Moab is still kind of in her. And uh, maybe she's reverting here to something that would be natural back in Moab. I don't think so. I don't think so. But why does Naomi hatch this plan? Well, she does have Ruth's best interests at heart. Notice how the, the chapter starts. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? You might remember this was what, uh, Ruth, uh, what Naomi wanted for Ruth back in the first chapter. Remember, she said, go back to Moab, and I will pray uh, that, the, that the Lord will bring rest for you. Uh, and what she was thinking was to be to married, to have her own home, and to have children, if the Lord would provide. And so she wants rest, she wants blessing for Ruth. So she's got a good motive. Uh, Beyond that, the person and character of Boaz is giving her hope here. Verse 2, is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? And so uh, she knows that this man Boaz has already provided for the poor and needy. She knows he is a relative. Uh, She knows that Boaz is of such a a character that uh, perhaps he would be willing to fulfill uh, the provision of the law, which envisions a a woman who has lost her husband and had no children. And in that law, in Deuteronomy 25, this is what we read. What would happen to such a woman or what could happen? Well, Deuteronomy 25.5 says this, If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son... The wife of the dead man 
shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in to her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall shall succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. And so Naomi knows Boaz as a relative. She has Ruth's best interest in mind. And so she's thinking to herself, well, maybe Boaz, even though this doesn't really apply to him, this, this law, it doesn't obligate him. He's not the brother of Ruth's former husband, but he is a he is a relative, and, and, and maybe uh, because he's a close relative, perhaps he'd be willing, because he's gracious, we know that already, perhaps he'd be willing to go above and beyond what the law requires. And so you go. Naomi, of course, no longer has sons. Her sons had no son. Perhaps Boaz would be a redeemer for Ruth. And so, friends, what, what Naomi suggests to Ruth is not an act of seduction, by a Moabite idolater, but it's an act of faith proposing to Boaz that he be Ruth's redeemer. So she tells Ruth, wash yourself, put on some perfume and your best clothes. Not to tempt Boaz, but remember, Ruth is a widow who has been mourning the death of her husband. And so wash, put on your best clothes, some, some perfume, make clear that she is willing and ready to be married again. So this is uh, Naomi suggesting a, a, a marriage proposal that Ruth proposed this to Boaz. Unheard of also in that day, except in the case when in this culture your husband has died, left you no son, and you need a redeemer. And so Naomi knows Boaz is a godly, honorable man, and this would be a plea for help. Cast yourself, Naomi says to Ruth, uh, at the mercy of the Redeemer. So we have a maneuvering mother-in-law. We also have a, uh, a wedding-minded woman, we'll put it. A wedding-minded woman. So Ruth does what Naomi says, verse 7. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Now, I've heard of some interesting um, wedding proposals before. Surely you have too. Maybe you're at a baseball game and, uh, you know, big banner goes by, marry me. And then, you know, on the screen, they have a a man and woman, you know, and, oh, you know, that's that's, that's quite something. Or uh, maybe you're driving along listening to your favorite radio station, and all of a sudden you hear your boyfriend's voice on the radio proposing marriage. Uh, That would be be quite something. Maybe you want to make a proposal and uh, write it on the sand over at Huntington Beach and then just happen upon it. Or maybe you go skiing and and a proposal uh, written uh, in... The snow, or maybe you want to uh, take uh, um, you know take your boyfriend girlfriend to a uh, Chinese restaurant, and before uh, they serve the fortune cookies, you slip on slip in your own pre baked fortune cookie with your message already in it. How about that? I should have tried that. That would have been good. I didn't do that. Wasn't that smart back then? Uh, but um, nothing quite like like this. So a long day, 
and night's work at the threshing floor. He's casting up the, he's casting up the barley, and it's probably night because you get maybe a cool breeze, and so he casts up the barley. The chaff is, chaff is blown away, and uh, it's time of the harvest, uh, and it also means the time of feasting. And so he's worked hard, he's had a good meal, and he lies down to sleep. He lies by the grain, of course, because you don't want someone to steal the grain, right? And so he's protecting the grain as well. He's tired, ready for that sleep, and in the middle of the night, his feet start to get cold. This happens to me sometimes. My feet get cold, and, uh, and I start looking for the, for the blankets. And so... Uh, Boaz's feet get cold. He tries to find the blankets. And uh, at midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And Ruth's got her cloak on, remember? Uh, She's in the dark, unrecognizable. Who are you? That's a fair question, isn't it? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant or maidservant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a... Redeemer. Now remember, Naomi had just said to Ruth, when you get there, uncover his feet, and Boaz will tell you what to do. Ruth says, "Um, I'm here to propose marriage. Spread your wings over your servant. That is, cover me with the corner of your robe. The word wings there can also be translated the corners of a garment. And in this culture... Uh, This was like the giving uh, of an engagement ring. Uh, How do we know that? Well, because later in the uh, the Scripture, this kind of language uh, is used actually in the prophet Ezekiel, but this time it's used uh, of uh, speaking of the Lord and what the Lord does for His people. In Ezekiel 16.8, this is what the Lord says to uh, to His people. When I pass by you again... And saw you, behold, you are the age for love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. And so in, in this culture, this idea of spreading your wings or spreading the corner of your garment, over that was a, uh, like an engagement, you see, an engagement uh, to be married. Now, of course, this would remind us of uh, what uh, Boaz had said of Ruth back in chapter 2 when he had taken notice of her and taken favor upon her and seen how she had been faithfully in the field and caring for her mother-in-law. In In verse 12 of chapter 2, he said, The Lord repay you for what you've done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so, uh, Boaz had already seen in the life of, of Ruth that, that in coming to Bethlehem, uh, she wanted to be a part of God's people. Naomi's God would be her God, Naomi's people, her people. And uh, Boaz says, you've come to, to find refuge under the wings uh, of the Almighty. And so Ruth says to, to Boaz, uh, spread your wing over me. That is, you can uh, bless me in the way that you have noticed that I've been seeking care and comfort from the Lord. You can be used of the Lord, for you are, says Naomi, or says Ruth to Boaz, you are uh, a redeemer. As uh, one Bible commentator put it this way, Ruth wanted Boaz to marry her and thus to provide a refuge for her and Naomi, just as a kinsman redeemer would. A kinsman redeemer was a person who had an obligation to buy his relatives back if they sold themselves into slavery, to pay off their debts, 
Under certain circumstances, as we read, the kinsman redeemer would also be obligated to marry his brother's widow in order to raise up a family for the dead man, a family that would inherit his property. Clearly, there was no legal obligation on Boaz to act this way. What Ruth was asking Boaz to do, though, was to act according to the spirit of the law of the kinsman redeemer. Even though he was not under any legal obligation, she appealed to him to be the family member who at his own cost would act to rescue those whose future had been blighted, even though he didn't have to do so. So she's really uh, putting herself in a position where she's asking uh, Boaz to marry her as, as an act of, act of grace. He's not, he's not legally obligated to, even though he's a relative. He's not, he's not that brother, but, but uh, would, would he, uh, by an act of grace, cover her with the corner of his garment? Ruth is bold here. Hmm? She's uh, courageous here. And we can imagine that it was not how things were usually done. Here you've got a woman uh, proposing to a man. Here you've got a young woman proposing, as we find out, to an older man. Here we find a a field servant uh, proposing to a field owner. She's bold, but she's also, notice she's making herself vulnerable here. She is, the Bible tells us, uh, at his Feet, and that's where she lies. And that's where she lies through the night, at his feet. Why does she do this? Well, because if she and Naomi would have a future, she needed help. But she risks much here. But she's at a place of humility and submission. This is an act of, this is an act of faith um, as she places herself at the feet of this Redeemer. That's important, isn't it? Uh, you know, as we think about this, this, this book and how, uh, how this book would point us uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have Ruth uh, coming uh, at uh, Boaz's feet. He's not obligated in any kind of way. He is a, a near relative, but for him, to, uh, for him to, to care for her, to marry her, this would be an act of grace uh, on his part. And so when, we, when she comes, she, she places herself at his feet, humbled before him. This is, of course, how, how faith comes, right? This is how faith comes to the Lord. We don't come to the Lord with, empty, or with full hands. We don't come to the Lord making demands upon the Lord. We come to the Lord at his feet. We humbly bow. Uh, uh, would, you, would you care for me? Uh, would I, can I find refuge under your wings? Would you receive me? And we come humbly at his feet. Well, here we have then a wedding-minded woman. How would Boaz respond to this vulnerable woman? Writes one. Now you've got to feel sorry for poor Boaz at this point, don't you? This is a lot to take in at midnight. You're wiping the sleep from your eyes, and this strange woman comes looming out of the shadows at you with a marriage proposal. Well, you can imagine how Ruth is feeling too. She's sort of made herself very vulnerable. She's made her speech. She's taken an enormous risk, and now she's waiting for Boaz's reply. Everything hangs, as it were, by a thread. He might have taken advantage of her. Who would have known? He might have rebuked her. He is, after all, a man of reputation and standing. He may even have publicly shamed her. What? A Moabitess? This is what Moabitesses do, trying to seduce me like this in the middle of the night. 
He might have understood, writes this one, might have understood her actions like that. What a risk she was taking. Everything hangs now on Boaz's reply. So how is this man, uh, with this woman at his feet, in the middle of the night, going to respond? Well, we find out that he is a, he is a reliable redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. He addresses her as my daughter. And he, he, he recognizes her kindness. Now, the word kindness there again is that, is that wonderful Hebrew word, hesed. So he recognizes her hesed, that is her covenant love, or her, her covenant love towards him. She hasn't gone after a younger man, so we presume he is, he is older. But what he's saying is, you, you know, you, you're known as a, a worthy woman. The word worthy there is the same word used of Boaz uh, earlier in the book. It means a person of character and, and, and of... Uh, righteousness. It's uh, the woman of Proverbs 31, a noble wife who can find her husband will praise her in the gates. And so, uh, but he recognizes her kindness. That is, she is more committed uh, to, uh, to her family. She's more committed to her mother-in-law uh, than she is to simply seeking after her own, her own interests. She's more concerned about, 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 about the family of God this covenant kindness to come to him. She fears God. She's serving her mother-in-law. She humbles herself before the one who is able to redeem. And friends, we find that Boaz is the reliable redeemer. He is full of grace and kindness. But the Bible says there is a, there is a conflict here. There's a, there's a problem uh, to be solved, even in this scene. And now, verse 12 says, Boaz, it's true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. There's someone else who is, is closer to Ruth and Naomi. And that person uh, first needs to speak. But Boaz says, as whatever, whatever he does, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. I will do what you, you ask. Now, this is a, it's a moment of tension, but friends, it's also a, uh, it's also a reminder, isn't it? Uh, even in this book, as, uh, as Boaz speaks about this other redeemer, a redeemer nearer than I. You know, Boaz clearly loves Ruth. He is full of grace. Uh, he's willing to go above and beyond what the law requires, but there is a closer uh, redeemer. And, uh, you know, as those who have the fullness of the revelation of Scripture, we see here uh, a reminder, don't we? There is a closer Redeemer. Charles Wesley knew of this, and that's why he wrote, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. Other refuge have I none. Hangs my helpless soul on thee. Leave, ah, leave me not alone. Still support and comfort me. Wilt thou not regard my call? Wilt thou not accept my prayer? Lo, I sink, I faint, I fall. Lo, on thee I cast my care. Plenteous grace with thee is found. Grace to cover all my sin. Let the healing streams abound. Make and keep me pure within. That was Wesley's hymn, Jesus, lover of my soul. The fact is we need a redeemer not to buy back land or property 
or raise up children for the family. We need a redeemer from sin. And the Bible says we are, we are in that sense, we are sold to sin. <laughs> we are, uh, by nature, children of, of wrath. Uh, we are bound in sin and slavery to sin. Uh, we need a redemption. There's a, there's a redeemer nearer than I, says Boaz. That reminds us of the Savior. But he says, uh, you know, whatever, whatever this redeemer does, uh, I am determined. I won't put off to next week or next month uh, this matter. First thing in the morning, we'll get this taken care of. Uh, what is certain, Ruth, is this. Uh, you will have a redeemer. Either this other redeemer will redeem you, or if he doesn't, uh, I will. You will have a redeemer. And to make sure she's protected in the night, Ruth stays at the threshing floor till just before light. Boaz heaps into her garment uh, uh, roughly, as we can tell, about 80 pounds of barley. That's why the Bible says he helps her uh, uh, get it on her, right? He's got the garment, loads it up with barley, and somehow ties it on. Ruth is not a, a, a pipsqueak. That's 80 pounds that she's going to carry home, loaded down with provision. And the Bible says she does not go home empty like Naomi had been feeling, remember? I'm empty. I went out full. I've come back empty. Uh, Boaz says to Ruth, you take this back. You're not going back empty-handed. This is a little gift for her mother-in-law. So she knows I'm serious. And, uh, and Naomi no longer empty. And as uh, Ruth comes home with this uh, great big hoist and haul of barley, as Naomi believed, uh, the matter would be settled today, Ruth. I know this will be settled. As Boaz said, as the Lord lives, you can be assured, I will redeem you. He is a reliable redeemer. And so what do we have here? Well, we have Ruth finding all she needs in Boaz. What do we have here? We have Ruth allowed to glean in the field. She's given food and provision and drink. She's given kindness and comfort. She's given abundant grace and abundant provision. And now she's given a husband. Now she's given a, uh, a redeemer, not only for the land of her former husband and father-in-law, but, but a husband for her. She's not sure if it'll be Boaz yet, but she knows she's found one under whose wings she will find refuge. You hear that? So she's, she's finding all she needs in her Redeemer. Naomi is finding all she needs in her Redeemer. She's, uh, she thought she'd come back empty, no hope. Uh, but uh, this Redeemer has come upon the scene. And uh, uh, don't go back empty-handed, Ruth. You are, are full to overflowing. And Naomi finds all that she needs in the Redeemer. What could we possibly learn from the book of Ruth and this chapter? Well, maybe that just as all that Ruth and Naomi need is found in their Redeemer, Boaz, that all that you and I need in a Redeemer is found 
in Jesus Christ? Maybe? Yes? I think so. She throws herself at his feet. Humbles, humble before him. He doesn't have to redeem her, you see. It would be an act of grace to cover her with the corner of his garment. And that is what he, that is what he does, you see. But there's another redeemer, closer still. And friends, that is, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All his benefits. Did you know that Peter says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. All things in Jesus. Did you know that the Apostle Paul said that we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Did you know the Bible says that we can learn in whatever state we are to be content in the confidence that my God will supply every need, every need, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Christ is our kinsman redeemer, born of a woman, born under the law, came to redeem us and to then welcome us into his family. Well, would there be a wedding banquet for Ruth? Would there be a marriage to Boaz? Well, that's what the end of the book of Ruth will be about. So let's pray uh, together. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this love story. We thank you for this redemption story. We thank you that we can be reminded, even in the, the text of the passage this morning, that there is a closer Redeemer. And Lord, with the fullness of Scripture, we know who that closer Redeemer is, made like us in every way except for sin. Lord, we see in this story how, how Ruth and Naomi find all that they need, love and grace and provision in the Redeemer, Boaz. And Lord, we know that you are telling us this morning that we find all that we need in the Redeemer, Jesus. Lord, redemption from our sin, redemption from uh, the wages of sin, which is death that is due us because of our sin, but to be redeemed from that, to be uh, set free from the punishment of sin, because we have a Redeemer who is Christ the Lord. Help us, Lord, today then to find all that, uh, all that we need, all that we would hope for at the feet of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to humbly place ourselves there, knowing that we are dependent on His grace and knowing that He is a reliable Redeemer. He's a gracious Redeemer. We see it throughout the pages of Scripture and that the Bible tells us that all who come to Him... He will in in no way turn away. Help us then, Lord, to be found at his feet, even today. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.